And good morning. You are listening to the Heartfelt Awakening show with your host, Danny Van. We are all about aligning body, breath, and spirit. And today we are going to be talking with um, Kelly Alkins. And I'm going to see if I can get him on live right now. Hey, Dr. Kelly, are you here? I am here. Thank you. Awesome. So I'm trying to get past all this technology, and I know um, we've talked about uh, the technology and how to connect and all that stuff. So um, it said my show was already live when I knew I saw it logged in. So we are listening to the Heartfelt Awakening show, and this is a live podcast where viewers can call in, and we're talking with Dr. Kelly Elkins today. And if you want to call in as a guest, the number here to call in is 646-716-5668. And today we're talking to Kelly about the French doors, and I know you've been in our village, our Heartfelt Awakening Village, pretty much since uh, we started it. And so I want to thank you for your presence, first of all, being in the village. And we've talked about these French doors, and I opened myself up to experience it with you. So first of all, I would love for you to tell me about a little bit about yourself and the French doors, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Okay. So um, about myself, um, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in the uh, open fields and uh, terrain of the Southwest Valley way back uh, in the uh, early 60s, and um, went to college, didn't know how to study because study wasn't a big thing in my house. Neither one of my parents went to college and got my draft notice and uh, ended up in Vietnam as a veterinary tech taking care of the military dogs. And for the most part, uh, I was the veterinarian. I did everything. I knew, how to, I knew how to do anesthesia. I knew how to do surgery. I taught suturing at Fort Benning Scott Dark School for nine months um, in Georgia. Um, and then uh, they shipped me to an area that was not as user-friendly. We were getting incoming every night, and the, the perimeter was constantly active at night and had a handler bring a dog to me with symptoms that he'd noticed, and I was familiar with that, but we had to keep things in records. So while I'm giving this dog a physical exam, something snapped in my brain, and I turned to the handler and I said, well, put your dog back in the kennel and come back. I want to talk to you. And thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? And uh, so he said, why don't you give my dog a shot because that's normal routine procedure. And I said, no, you know, we're going to keep your dog under observation thinking, you know, what am I doing? This guy could shoot me and get away with it. We're in a war zone for God's sake. And so he left and came back without his dog and sat down and we I had no idea what I was going to say next so we talked about guy stuff you know how's family and all this and I finally said so what's going on with you man and he said and I can't remember specifically what his was because there was so many after that but I realized that there was something having to do with home and I asked him how much time he had to go in country before he was going to be out of the army and go home and um He said, it's going to be a few weeks or a month. I said, well, man, put this on the back burner because there's nothing you can do about it here. You can't shift anything at home till you get home. And he said something like, yeah, Doc, you're right. I'm wasting energy. 
And I, before I could say, finish the word yes out of my mouth, we heard a dog bark, and we both knew out of the 20 dogs that we had in Quang Tri, Vietnam, it was his dog. I said, go get your dog. And he looked at me and says, am I walking the ammo dump tonight? And I said, no, you got the night off. You know me. He brought the dog back in, and the dog was absolutely perfect. And I realized it was the dog telling me to tell the handler to put the dog put the dog back in the kennel and to have this conversation with him. And so for the rest of my tour of Vietnam, uh, I was a counselor for the handlers. The dogs took care of themselves. I didn't order antibiotics anymore. I wasn't doing any of that stuff anymore. I had healthy dogs, had healthy handlers. So when I got out of the service, I thought I could, you know, do something with veterinary medicine and found out because I wasn't a doctor of, I could clean cages and feed dogs for a veterinarian. And I thought, well, who wants to do that? So I ended up getting a job as a feedlot doctor and uh, did that for a while and then went back to school and then went all over the place and did far too many jobs as most of us Vietnam veterans did till I hurt my back and uh, got taken to a chiropractor who saw what I did in Vietnam and said, well, then you read the x-rays. And I did. And he was impressed enough to say, man, you, you need to go to chiropractic college. So I did. However, while I was there, I raised my hand and said, this is very exciting. This is within the first week of being there. Charter class, Parker College of Chiropractic, brand new, North Dallas, Texas. And I said, this is very exciting. We're going to put these vertebrae back in the right place. But I have a major question. Why is it by the time my client gets to the door, that vertebrae is right back out? Because that had been my experience. And I found, out very quickly that, I, was, I found out very quickly that I was the only student of that 35, of those 35 uh, members of that class who was not a son or daughter of an existing doctor of chiropractic. I had gone into an area that was taboo. The instructor couldn't answer my question. The classmates didn't like me. And for a couple of weeks, I was persona non grata. They wouldn't even look at me. And I, I really, I didn't care, you know, I was okay, but I was questioning, what am I doing here? What, you know, this is a joke, come on. So the president of the college came in, and I, I knew Dr. Ted Mortar uh, because I'd worked as a carpenter at the school before classes opened up, and we'd had several conversations. So I asked him the same question, and he said, because your body believes that's where you want that vertebrae, so it'll put it right back out again. And he said, every cell of your body is listening to your mind. I said, okay. He said, how much of your mind is conscious? I said, wow, cool question, I don't know. He said, 5 to 7%. And I immediately thought, what the hell is that other 95 to 97% doing? Or whatever that exactly. is. Exactly. Um, so uh, I ended up graduating not knowing how to move vertebrae. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's not helpful. I'm just saying that's not the answer because, pardon me, doctors of chiropractic all across the nation and elsewhere, uh, you aren't taught why that vertebrae is out of place. Oh, it was an accident. Oh, it was in a car wreck. No, man, that's, that's insurance talk. Come on. Why is that vertebrae going back out? And it's not so that you can have them come in Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday and pay for your new car. There's got to be something else going on. So myself and all my classmates of that charter class ended up learning Dr. Ted Mortis' technologies called BEST, 
bioenergy synchronization technique. And I did that and had wonderful stuff just by touching, knowing how to touch, where to touch. And through that, I also got in touch with me and my ability to feel other people and where to touch them because I could feel it in my body. And I'll tell you, horses absolutely love it. Horses would try to get in my back pocket and go home with me because no one ever touched them like that before. Um, So then I met my now late wife. We were together for 26 years, and she taught me about quantum dynamics, which was a releasing technology that was really, really hard. And it was hard for me, as it was for a lot of people, because I was constantly being asked to go back and remember Vietnam. I didn't want to remember Vietnam, okay? I don't want to do that. So then and we fought through that and finally learned about matrix energetics with Dr. Richard Bartlett. Wow, incredible, blew my mind, so much so that we became staff members, practitioners. We would go to a workshop, and we were those people that were walking around you could ask questions of. So here I was, walking around, watching people practice, and this guy walks up to me and says, "Uh, so show me how to do Richard's windows, which is a really remarkable bit of technology, truly. Matrix energetics cannot be defined, which is beautiful. It's kind of like the same way with the French doors. Anyway, I didn't get windows. I still don't get windows the way Richard teaches it. I get it a completely different way. And I didn't. I was getting ready to tell this guy. So you want to go talk to one of that person over there, or that person over there, because they'll be able to help you. And I'm, I'm really not good in this in this arena. And at the same time, I was seeing in my mind's eye this cream white French door that had four across or three across and four up, a panel of twelve windows, symmetrical in this you know upper portion, nice door. And I thought, well, this this has got to mean something. So then I noticed that in the lower left, but not in the bottom row, but on the lower left was a potted plant with a yellow flower. Not sitting on anything, just there behind that particular pane of glass. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just following the lead. So I turned to this guy and I said, so can you close your eyes and see a French door? And he said, yes. I said, okay, take whatever you want to know from me to that door. He closed his eyes, got a big smile on his face, opened his eyes, looked at me and said, thanks, man, and walked away. And I thought, okay, that was 2008. My wife died two years ago this month. And uh, after she died, she signed me up for a online coaching class. Life okay, coaching wait, let class. me stop. I'm going to stop you right there. You said after she died? Yes, ma'am. She signed you up. She's right here in the room with me right now. <laughs> Call me crazy if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> she signed me up for that class. I found out about it by getting on the computer. <laughs> what is this? I thought. And then I looked into it. I thought, wow, this is cool. This is Abraham. I like this. This is this is cool. Abraham would be good support for me right now, and and it was. It was great support. And the online course gave me something to do rather than be depressed, rather than be alone. Okay. Yes. After 26 years, so here I was making phone calls to people uh, across the United States, 
getting in my hours so that I would be a graduate from this life coaching class. And um, I asked one afternoon in my mind's eye or my mind's voice, I want a better tool. I want a faster tool that gets more done, is easy, is fun, that people would like to experience again. And I heard Tony say, remember the French doors. Didn't come with an instruction manual. <laughs> no, right, no it never does, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to figure it out yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, and this is what I can tell you. Number one, I don't know anything about it. This is what's happened, okay? People will observe a French door. It's a French door of their choosing. I can't see it. Furthermore, I don't want to see it. It's none of my business, okay? I will ask them to think of something, and I realized along the way that I could be reading lines from the New York Times. It doesn't matter what I'm reading. The opportunity is to observe the doors. But I recognized along the way that, well, if I'm going to be reading something to people, it may as well be something they can use, right? Right. So I decided I would read lines from Law of Attraction. And they, in turn, observe their doors. The observation of their doors will reveal something different happening with their door. I can't tell you what it will be for you. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's your totally your experience. I I will I will often feel that you've seen it because I have that capacity, but I can't tell you what you saw. I have no idea. And it's none of my business. The opportunity will be that you will see one of your windows change shape. It will change transparency. It will all of a sudden have a crack in it. It will glow. It will have something behind it that the other windows don't have. When you notice that, you're done. In that nanosecond of noticing, you are given a gift. All of us have incidents, events, uh, tragedies that happen to us in our childhood, early adolescence, and some later, that were so dramatic and traumatic to us that we hid them away in a vault and put armed guards around them and told these guards, don't you ever let me see what I've hidden away in here. And this is real common. Everybody has this. They may not remember them, but all of us have that. And so what what I've been given is that the door is an interface with your inner being. That shift in your windows is your inner being letting you know that your inner being has gone into your past and taken some energy that you've been giving up every day, every day since that event, you've been giving energy to those guards in that vault to maintain it, when in fact that event is no longer a threat. Some of these events can be 30 years old, 40 years old, depending on the age of the individual. Okay. And, you know, you, you talked earlier about how you were talking with a teacher and saying that maybe 5% of what we 
experience we're conscious of. And so what, what we put our energy into is, is unconscious. So that's what we're tapping into that 95% of what is unconscious. Exactly. Exactly. And so as a result of having energy that is being, being given away daily to something that no longer really serves us, everyone that I'm working with says at the end of sessions, I feel more relaxed and yet I have this mellow energy that was more than I had before this session. I feel better. And, yes, I've been noticing I am more consciously aware of my surroundings. So I have a question. When You've worked with a lot of people. I know sometimes when I send you a message, you're in the middle of working with someone. Um, yeah. So when you're working with people, and let's say, for example, they have experienced past trauma, um, and then they're coming to their uh, the French doors where their inner being is showing them something. Um, do they have reactions as they're coming aware? Do they become aware of the past trauma that is holding them no, back? No. So, so that's an excellent question. Thank you. What I have been given is that the transition of energy movement is so fast that the emotional body doesn't have time to grab it. I love that. <laughs> And so, <laughs> excuse me, I'm, I'm a romantic, I cry easy, uh, which is a gift. I, do not, I used to shut it down, I don't anymore. Um, I've had people, uh, particularly women, but some fellows also, and of course my work is primarily with women, duh, um, because women haven't been overtaken by Hollywood as much as men have. But anyway, uh, I'll be working with someone, and I'll realize they're crying. And I say, excuse me, are you all right? And they'll say, I'm so happy. I'm crying. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I've experienced That's emotional release, but they'll tell me that they don't know why. Yep. They're just having that experience, which is pretty cool, as compared to having to go back and relive the event. No, thank you. Been there, done that. I don't need to see it again. Now, um, you mentioned that you work primarily with women. Um, I do too, um, and I'm finding that there are more and more men that are coming to a place of wanting to know yep. more about what this is. Do you find that you're working with more men as well? It's it's getting that way. Yes. As a matter of fact, I had a phone call from a uh, fellow in the San Francisco Bay Area who's from Australia, who uh, has known about Tony and I for some years. Um, he called and left a message, so I rang him back. And he's, uh, he's uh, saying the same thing that you're saying. And when Tony and I first went to Matrix Energetics of a uh, uh, seminar of, say, 300 people, initially there might have been five guys. But um, when we uh, stopped... Well, we stopped going uh, the year Tony left, which would have been uh, 2016. During those intervening years, from 2007 to 2016, of a group of 300, there would be like 50 to 75 fellows. So, yes, more and more men are waking up to realizing that um, what they've been taught, the machismo, doesn't work. Yes. Interestingly enough, of course, you and I both know it never worked. 
Right. Uh, but it provided, provided them a format of safety, which wasn't safe at all. As a matter of fact, Tony would use the term pretending to feel safe and loved. I like that. Yeah. It is a facade. It's a pretend, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm uh, finding more and more men are, um, you know, I've been married uh, in a relationship with my husband for 33 years. We've been together 35, but there was a time where, you know, his facade, you know, uh, had to come down or our relationship yeah. would end. So more and more men are learning that, you know, the, the natural tendency of yang energy is to be on the aggressive side, and I'm finding more men are wanting to hold that space and wanting to know how to hold that space. So, yes, it's, it's, they're waking up, and it's wonderful. So yeah, it's I wanted to, to, I know that you said that one of the things you wanted to do during this interview was to um, have me experience the French doors. So yeah. I don't know if you wanted to go in that direction or... Yeah, let's do. Let's do, please. Yeah, and and then you can ask me a whole bunch of questions, and it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. I've been looking forward so, to this since we set it up. Good, good. Thank you. So, can you uh, can you envision with your mind's eye a French door or doors? Yes. It can be plural. Good. I do see two. Okay. okay. So. Um, Hold gently in your mind and then let it go your name and observe your doors and take your time. And when you see that shift, that shift may be gone, you know, there and gone, or it may stay. If it stays, I, uh, I offer to you, do not, do not watch it. Avert your mind's eye from it because by watching it, your left brain will kick in analyze and logic and you will waste energy instead of gaining energy okay Okay. so hold your your name gently in your mind let it go and observe your doors and let me know when you have seen that shift i've seen the shift good so then whatever name you used for your father growing up hold that gently in your mind let it go and observe your doors It is done. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing with your mother. Okay. And do you have siblings? I have a lot of siblings. Okay. Hold them collectively in your mind's eye and observe your doors. Okay. Now let's do um, let's do the same thing with I love myself. Let it go and observe your doors. They opened. Mm-hmm. So do the same thing with I forgive myself. And they open. Mm-hmm. So here's a concept that I've posted that was given to me in the late 80s uh, that I'll ex- let me give the whole thing first and then we'll let you use it. Um, I was given that no one has ever, ever, ever done anything wrong. And until we get that, we're blaming something, someone, or ourselves, and nothing can change. 
you cannot imagine what a relief that was because I came home with survival guilt. Why didn't I get hurt? Why didn't I get shot? And so it was quite a relief to realize that. So hold in your mind's eye or your mind there gently. I've never done anything wrong and observe your doors. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's do this one also. The most important thing is that I feel good and only love matters more and observe your doors. Okay. So I'm getting a big giant good? smile on my face. <laughs> like my face is just <laughs> getting this big That's giant exactly where smile. I was going. I was going to say, how do you feel in your body now compared to before we started this? So I'm also getting like tingling sensations going up my legs and my spine. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's not uncommon. You're opening up pathways for energy that have not been opened before. Well, let me rephrase that. Have not been opened this much. And you know, it's I don't interesting want to say because that. when you mm-hmm. asked me to think about certain things and then observe the doors, um, it's funny because when I first observed the doors, they were kind of the sliding back and forth. They slide left and right. Uh-huh, but when yeah. they opened, they opened out. Like a doorway. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. Yeah. like a doorway. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people have, have made the mistake. And because one of my, one of my uh, three, well, my two other sites that I manage is Awakening Through the Doors, through the French doors, and I need to get back in there or find somebody who knows how to do this for me and put awakening through the French door experience because we're not going through the doors. The doors are the interface. Now, does this mean, and I've had this conversation with people who have worked with me for a while, who, by the way, I'm doing this free. These people are showing up. They're making appointments and showing up. Why? Because they like it, because it feels good, because they like that opening of new energies in their bodies. Where are we going with this? I have no idea. I don't know what, I mean, this is literally destination unknown. But if you aren't an adventurer, then why are you here, (laughs) see? So, um, now, where was I going with that? Well, you Um, know, you talk about that you have to. Yeah, so we've talked about are we going to go through the doors? And I've said I don't know. I don't know, and uh, I I can tell you that after you've done this for uh, multiple sessions, sometimes as few as two, uh, sometimes not until fourth or fifth session, the doors morph, the doors change and become more personal. And some people don't see the doors. Well, let let me rephrase it. They see the doors. They don't see the shift on the doors' windows. They feel it in their bodies. Ah. Both of those are acceptable. Okay. And, you know, you um, talked about I having feel, to experience. Hmm? You talked about, um, you, are you able to hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. You talked about when you came back, you, you had this survival guilt. And I totally can relate to that because I, too, as a, as a cancer survivor, told I'd be dead in two years kind of thing. You kind of carry this guilt for surviving that. So 
it's very important. You mentioned experience because I do work with a lot of people as well. And a lot of the people that I work with have a lot of information. They know it intellectually, but they've never experienced it. And I do think what you're doing is phenomenal because you take people through the experience. They must experience it and not just know it intellectually. Correct. Yes. Yes. And so it goes back to the old standby, the difference between religion and spirituality. Religion is you're believing someone else's experience, and in spirituality you're having the experience yourself, so you don't need to explain it to anybody. Exactly. You know. And so there have been posts I've made where I've said, the experience is you. Without the experience, how do you know what if anything's happened or not? And so I've played with uh, pardon me, all Christians, um, loving to get together with a minister or a priest and say, so uh, when's, your, uh, when's your next class for walking on water? And, of course, they go, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, come on, man. You either know what you're talking about or you don't. And, of course, yes. they don't. It's, it, pardon me, but it's pathetic. They're running yes, They're a, only they're being running taught. Yeah. And they believe yeah. in it. You know, that's just like there are Vietnam veterans who sincerely believe they want to go back and finish the job. Finish what job? The Gulf of Tonkin incident was made up. It never even happened, which the Gulf of Tonkin incident was the incident that created our desire and our need to go to war with Vietnam. Yes. It was all made up. It was all about the money. So what's new? Yes. We keep repeating that cycle. <laughs> yes, we, we're still yeah, in this like cycle. We have, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, uh, without going too far in this direction, this country has been at war every 25 to 35 years since the American Revolution. Hello, when are we going to wake up? It doesn't work. Yes, we just end up I, at war with ourselves, yes. Y- yes, and that's like, uh, as I understand it, the literal translation for the word jihad is fighting the demons within. I like that. Jihad, fighting my demons. Yes. Yes. Not the, not the demons outside. Own, yeah, we carry our own demons. And some people are carrying far more than they deserve. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and that's their job. I, I fully believe that everything that's happening on the planet right now is right on schedule. I believe that, If too. it weren't on schedule, it would be different. And our, exactly. job, as our job, as I see it, and uh, many of the group uh, um, people on, on Facebook in this particular genre are, are of the desire of waking up because it's only through waking up that things are going to change. So you, you mentioned it'll, the word it'll waking up. right on up. schedule. Yeah. I'm sorry? Uh, you mentioned the word waking up. Um, Tell me, what does that mean um, to you, and especially if you're uh, using your tool, the French doors, what does waking up mean? Waking up means reaching a point in conscious awareness where you realize, number one, you've never done anything wrong, number two, everything's happening right on schedule, and number three, you are God. So become con- becoming conscious of the unconscious. Totally, yes. And more, much, much more. And we are unconscious that we are an extension or an expression of 
what what some call God, but most people yes. call God something outside yes. of themselves. But yes. we are expressing Brilliant. from that yes. source of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's some confusion uh, that needs to be clarified as to what that is. <laughs> always, of course, yeah. We've been, we've been, we as a people, particularly Europe, uh, and the people of European descent, we were Shanghai'd by Justin, by Justonians uh, in Constantinople uh, all those hundreds of years ago and plunged into the darkest time of European history, the, the medieval ages. And it was all because of the church. And that they was, didn't want wasn't anybody that to know Exactly. And wasn't that the time also when uh, scientists were coming out with theories and stuff that went against the church? That was yes. also the time. So when science and church separate, that was really a disservice for the people, I think. Oh, I agree, yeah. And it wasn't until uh, Gutenberg's press that we started getting printed word, and people started to, and then we stepped into the Renaissance, and people started to learn how to read, and people who were of quote-unquote peasant class were also uh, allowed access to learning how to read and write. And that started the uh, what we in past look back at as the Industrial Revolution, which was... Um, a whole another whole different kind of uh almost demolishing uh human capacity by going down an industrialized road instead of a instead of a growth road so that we of course when we're still clear cutting we're still doing stupid stuff uh for the dollar and um this whole concept of money, I mean, it's been said in a few places that if you go into a, uh, a third world country, a primitive country, within two generations of giving them money, they don't know how to, la- they don't know how to subsist on the, on the land anymore. And that's, this is that's horrendous. You know, that's, that's horrible. And uh, I admit that I'm, I'm one of those recipients. I've gone out of my way to go out into the deserts here in southern New Mexico and find out what's edible and what's not. How would I survive out there if everything shut down? And the answer is, wow, it'd be pretty tough because I wasn't raised in that environment. Yes, we're disconnected from our natural ability yes. and our natural source yes. by and looking the, to the almighty the dollar. Time, the, the flip side of that is um, the concept, without needing to go into any detail about it, because I believe that what we think about we create, uh, the idea of New York City shutting down, having no electricity and no garbage pickup, it doesn't take very long. We've got you, the people in that city have got a major problem. Yes. I mean, if you're living 15 floors up, to say nothing of 25 or 50, and the only way to get something to eat is to go down and up all those stairs, that's crazy. And yes. how fast would it take for the rats to overpopulate the city from the garbage not being picked up? And so I've been telling people for years, get out of the cities. Yeah, if you want to wake up, get out of the cities, because that's not going to be a good place to be. It's interesting you say that, because it was right around um, 2013. Um, I live in the Chicago area, and there's a lot of people here. But around that time, just after 2012, I really felt this need to get away from people and get away from the larger populations. And so I live in the middle of nowhere in the woods, but I'm 
close enough, about 65 miles from the city, but there was this draw, there was this urge in me to, to, you know, and then I started really coming into um, what you were saying, waking up, becoming conscious of everything that has been unconscious and running and stealing my energy in the background, you know, and causing, you know, these, like you say, you think about something and then you look to the French doors it shines a light on, it feels like it shines a light on all the wasted energy that I've been running programs in, in the subconscious background that kind of dictate my behavior and my choices, my future behavior and my future choices. So well, as sure. we start I mean, to become, yeah, go ahead. It's like going back into school. How many of your instructors from grade school up all the way through college and for me all the way through med- medical school, chiropractic, um, which is, by the way, you start out at 21. A lot of people don't know this. 21 semester hours is where you start, and there is no part-time. I topped out one trimester with 30 hours, and I was working 40 hours a week. I got hold of our, our psychologist and said, I want to know if I'm crazy. And he said, why? And I told him what I was doing. He said, yeah, you're crazy. Nobody in their right mind would do that. But the thing here is that um, how many times did we have instructors – professors tell us or ask us how do you feel about that they would Mm -hmm. always say what do you think about that and think is what left brain and left brain's not wrong we need left brain it's nice to know how to tie your shoes how to fix breakfast how to drive a car and what your name is but there's very little creativity in left brain it's more patterns where our left brain holds our patterns we we don't have to think about it we just do it. Exactly. And so we have all this background noise, literally. I mean, it occurred to me a few years ago how obnoxious the Pledge of Allegiance is. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's just one, right? We don't need to go any further than that. That's been implanted in our brains because we said it every day in school, every morning. And excuse me, no thank you. I I call that null and void. I move that from all that programming from my system because I don't need it. Yeah, so we have been incredibly indoctrinated. Our parents were, their parents were, and back in the early 1700s, or back in the mid to late 1700s and early 1800s, hey, we were too busy carving out a frontier. We were too busy on the farm making sure we had food on the table than to worry about what our new Congress was doing. And so they've been running rampant over us ever since. I mean, what yeah. was the word the other day that Congress worked six months last year and were paid 150 to $160,000 for that? Excuse me? I'd like to get on that payroll. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't work a job. Months. No way. I've got yeah. too much of a conscience for that. I yes, and when it. you're in that position, you know, you you say you're there for the people, but then you have corporations trying to get you to vote certain ways so that it's for them. So really they're there for the corporations, but they think they they're there for the cor- people. They are a corporation. Yes. 1872, the South was going to legally sue the North, and the North knew they were going to win, so they're only out that they could see was to become a corporation, and they did so. But you're not going to find that in the history books. Why? Because that's illegal. That's against the Constitution. You can't do that. 
and I swore when I was when I was when I was put into the army, I swore to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States against enemies, domestic and foreign. But you're you're upholding get, I, an illegal Constitution now because they became a corporation. Yeah, well, the Constitution still exists, but the Patriot Act, which of course was written before 9-11-2001, um, because they knew they were going to do that. They knew they had to have the paperwork in place. Um, but the Constitution of the United States is a pretty good document. Yeah, it's got it's got fault here and there. Of course they do. I mean, look at when it was written, for crying out loud. Yeah, but and they didn't mean says, for it to be permanent. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so there is a, there are hope. And, and so I know that our government wants us to um, get our guns and go out in the street with signs and, and make a big scene so that they can declare martial law because they'll win. Mm-hmm. They have weaponry we don't want to know about. So I do have and a question I, for you. I don't know if you've experienced sure. this with your clients, but one thing that I'm experiencing with my clients is they feel like um, something big is coming and there's all this fear that comes up. You know there's a big change coming. So when you're working yeah. with your clients, do you use the French doors to help them, you know, or how do you help them understand that this fear is coming? Okay. So there are no good guys and there are no bad guys. There's no good and no evil. There are different people. And there and then there are those people that choose because that's what they came in this lifetime for was to have that experience of participating with those people that are doing those things that uh we previously would call bad or evil. Yes. I mean it goes and that goes back to what I said earlier. You've never done none of us have ever done anything wrong. You can't do anything. This is Okay, Michael Newton, Ph.D., hypnotherapist, wrote Life Between Lives and a couple other books. Uh, He was apparently working with a client, and this client in trance went into a strange space. Michael, being a good therapist and a successful one, didn't say, excuse me, what what are you talking about? Where, Where are you going with this? He just went, oh, this is interesting, and took notes and supported the client as best he could. And they were done. And he thought, well, that was strange. And a few days later, he had another one spontaneously go into a similar environment. Michael Newton has has over 7,000 documented cases of people talking about what happened after they died last lifetime prior to their being born into this lifetime. Over 7,000 documented cases. All these people say, this is the toughest school in the planet and in the universe, planet Earth. You can't do it wrong. You can't do it right. It is all about coming here to learn. There is no pass fail. And when you leave the physical, you go to right here. <laughs> Don't heaven is not someplace out there. It's right here. Right here. And we are greeted by our spiritual family. Our spiritual family is right here. Is yes. right here, and always has been. This planet, they say, well, they say this planet has been here, what is it, four or seven billion years? They have no clue. They don't. They, they, they I don't. mean, that's like my saying, 
Well, Demi, you have 150 trillion cells in your body. That's a guess. Come on. I'm not going to count the cells in your body any more than you are. So they're playing with numbers, okay? So how old is the planet? We don't know. How many times have we come here to learn more? We don't know. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times. We are the adventurers, the explorers. We are the seekers of the experience. That's why we're here. And we get to pat ourselves on the back for having the courage to be here. And it's not about whether we're here to wake up or here to experience atrocities. That's not what we're here to. We're here to learn. And how else can you? I mean, anybody can read a book. Yeah, anybody you have to experience it. But you're not having the experience until you're having the experience, see? And so that's what I love about the French doors. You're having an experience. It may be really, really fast, but you're having an experience. And the beautiful part of it as, is, as you said, you had a smile from ear to ear. You felt all this tingling in your body. Yeah. Yes. How do you beat that? Well, short of a nice and Russian and a, and a funny joke, maybe. <laughs> Which is good too, because a lot of there was is, definitely a release. Yes, exactly. There was definitely yeah. a release. Yes. Yeah. So as, as healers, fact, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. as a healer and as healers, I think it's amazing that um, our group. Uh, thank you for being a member of our group. But many oh. healers also need healing. So do you work with healers as well? Yeah, I mean. We're all healers. Yes. Every single one of us is a healer. It's just a matter of whether or not we're willing to to reach out to anybody else. Listen, I can't heal you of anything. And the person who says they can't are lying. I can only assist you to heal yourself. Yep. I've taken people through AIDS. It's not that difficult. I've taken people through cancer. It's not that difficult. The, the hardest part for both of those diseases and the rest of them, as far as I'm concerned, is what you, what you believe. If I you totally believe agree that. that I can't help you, you're absolutely right, and it wouldn't matter what I do. wouldn't matter. You know, you hit on something really powerful because when I was diagnosed with cancer, um, it was on my 35th birthday, um, and it was malignant melanoma. Um, I was told that my mother went with me to the oncologist and I was told they're going to be doing injecting radioactive dye. And then they're going to determine based on that, if I'm going to have radiation and or chemotherapy. So the doctor wasn't clear if I was going to get one or both, but as soon as he said, I'm going to inject radioactive dye, something in me happened. You know, there was something like you said, (laughs) You didn't know what was going on, but there was a space that opened up, and I heard a voice say, that's not for you. And the hardest thing... Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. But when you have your external world and everyone telling you, you have to do these things or you're going to be dead, to listening to that tiny, tiny little voice saying, that's not for you, it took great courage to become conscious of what was going on unconsciously and then listen to that. There's a moment, I call it my moment of truth. Do I fall for the fear or do I trust that tiny little voice that says, 
that's not for you. And I do believe that was in uh, July of 20, 2001. Um, I do believe that that was the crack that opened up my egg. And sometimes it takes facing a life or death situation to crack that egg open. Otherwise, we'll just keep going as if, you know, we're not here to learn anything. You know, why are we here? That kind of thing. So I, you hit on something very, very powerful right there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. We have um, uh, there's two terms that I like to use a lot with, with clients, and one is placebo, which is powerful, and medicine doesn't like to talk about placebo because they can't control it. They can't box it. They can't, uh, can't make a living off of it, um, although they should be able to. Um, and the other one is spontaneous remission. And spontaneous remission is literally changing your mind. That's what happened to you. You you heard that voice and it changed your mind, right? Yes, big oh, time. That's, that's the person who is in the hospital. has got 25 tubes and all this equipment monitoring them, and they decide no, and they get up and they pull all the tubes out, grab the Band-Aids, and they get dressed and go home. And when checked with later, they don't have the disease anymore. Well, that's impossible. No, it's not. <laughs> what isn't possible? Show me what isn't possible. I, you know, I we don't, experienced we don't, that. Yeah, I what, experienced what that. Is the, what is the human mind capable of? We have no idea. Yeah, I was diagnosed with uh, Hashimoto, which I was told is an autoimmune disease and that I would mm-hmm. have to be on medications for the rest of my life. Well, I was on medications for about five years, I want to say, and I do believe that I told myself, I am done with this. And that's all yeah. it took because after that, I went back to, for my yearly checkup to make sure the levels were good and blah, blah, blah. Well, I got a call from the doctor saying, you don't have the markers for Hashimoto. You don't need the medicine. And I'm like, what? I've been on it for five years. So it was just a yeah. thought. It was a thought. That's exactly right. Yes. So there are no diseases. There are low vibration. We all have, for example, streptococcus in our throat. It's normal body flora. If you don't have it, you're probably going to be in trouble. It's normal body flora. These are bacteria that wear your name tag. I work for whoever the host of the body is, and they will do a very good job. Well, then whose fault is it when the, the individual gets stressed out and their streptococcus becomes strep throat? Are we going to yeah. blame it on the streptococcus? That doesn't solve anything. Blaming does not, does not, obviously doesn't work. Look at our prison system. It obviously doesn't work. So, uh, yeah, it is, all about, it is all about us because once we realize, oh, it's just the stress and they chill out, and relax, that strep throat will become streptococcus again, and things go back to normal. And you know, Whatever you mentioned the is. word normal, exactly. Yeah, and a lot of us, a lot of us are starting to come to a place where the stress that we're experiencing every day is becoming normal. Yes. As a matter of fact, one of the lines from Abraham that I really admire is, "It is amazing how quickly the human body." and mind, can take abnormal and make it normal. Yes, I totally yes. agree. Yeah. 
Yes. So we have been listening to Dr. Kelly Alkins and discussing the French doors, discussing uh, this awakening process that so many of us are going through. So we have about six minutes left. And do you have any, um, any words for our listeners? Yeah. Um, number one, I've got two books coming out. They're getting close. I'm going to put them on Amazon Kindle so people can read them without having to buy the book. Um, but the other thing is that this tool was not conceived of with the idea in mind of healing anybody of anything. However, where do, you, where, where do we disassociate consciousness from anything? If everything is from source, then everything is conscious. Everything. The floor you're walking on has consciousness. The floor you, chair you're sitting in has consciousness in varying degrees. Everything is alive. And the indigenous people have been saying that forever, and we're kind of slow. Uh, and I've had people say, Kelly, I never told you this because you didn't ask. And that's right, I didn't. But I had this dis-ease, and it's gone now. Now, did I heal them of that? The answer is no, the doors did. Their awakening consciously healed that. Because it was yeah. just what? An old pattern. That's all it was. Yes, and then aligning. Yes, and once yeah. you now, understand and recognize, yes. Yeah. Now, does that mean that it's absolutely helped everybody I've worked with? The answer is no. I was very disappointed when I found out some people didn't do the doors. They could see them, but nothing happened, and they didn't feel anything in their bodies. And like, I was disappointed because <laughs> I thought, boy, I've got something here. Well, I do. And it's not everybody's ready. There is yes. definitely a readiness concept in all, or factor in all healing. If a person yes. isn't ready to heal, it doesn't matter what you can do. They're they not going to heal ripe. they're ready. Ripe. Yes, they have to be ripe yeah. for the picking, which means they got to exactly. cultivate yeah. And, get and to how that does point. that occur? That's it's personal. It's an individual thing. It's like you getting that message. This isn't for you. It's a very personal thing, and I can't tell anybody how that's going to occur. And uh, how many times have you, as I, you and I, as as healers in our various modes and ways, had people come to us for consultation, and within ten minutes of the opening the consultation, we look at the person and say, well, we're done. You can go home now. And they say, well, wait a minute. I haven't even told you everything yet. I say, yeah, I know, but you don't think I can heal you. And so you're right. I can't. So go home. And, of course, the ultimate answer is I can't heal you anyway. I can only assist you to heal. But they didn't believe I could, so they're right. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't matter what I did. You can't sort of get past that. over there with a two-by-four, so, you know. <laughs> Have I got your attention yet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I don't do that. <laughs> well, we have yeah. been listening to Dr. Kelly Elkins talking about the French doors and talking about awakening. So I want to thank you for listening in to Heartfelt Awakening. And we are all about aligning body, breath, and spirit. Thank you, Kelly, for finally coming on. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. Yeah, this has been real fun, and real fun. It has been wonderful, and it's been long overdue. 
So thank you, thank you for that, and thank you for listening, and check out our village. We call it Heartfelt Awakening Village on Facebook, and Dr. Kelly is right in our group. If you have any questions for him, uh, you can get a hold of him there, or you can look him up, you know, look him up. We'll leave a, can we leave a website on the site here on how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, it's stateaccept.org. Stateaccept.org. A next step.org. Yeah. You got mm-hmm. it. Thank you so much. And blessings to you, Dr. Kelly. Blessings you to you listening. And be well. <laughs>